You're listening to Beyond the Sermon, the podcast of First Methodist Church in Collingswood, New Jersey. Our goal is to not only share our sermons with you, but to go beyond the sermon with conversations about what we're learning and what God is doing in our lives and in our community. During the summer of 2022, we are in a series called The Songs of Summer, a study in the Psalms. You can find out more information about our church at fumccollingswood.org. Thanks for listening. Well, welcome to the, the podcast coming to you straight from the recording studio at FUMC Collingswood. Just kidding. We're sitting in the boardroom. But, um, <laughs> They're going to think we're in the radio room <laughs> in the corner. That's fine. So we are sitting here today with uh, Will Walker and Jeremy Andrade and myself, Scott Rambo. Uh, so Jeremy, are you ready to start this podcast? Yes, sir. I feel like we're starting one of those uh, lie detector videos on YouTube. Exactly. Right? Are you I thought ready? you were going to say Shirley. Oh, Shirley, shoot. <laughs> I already forgot. So, we, uh, I personally enjoyed your sermon on Sunday and was curious because, like you said, there's so much that you can get out of Psalm 23. And there's so much to unpack. Was there anything that you didn't have time in your sermon to unpack on Sunday? Um, that's a really great question because I, I think there's always things that we have to kind of pare down and, and kind of leave on the, the proverbial cutting room floor. What I The biggest thing that I actually cut out was not anything really related to Psalm 23, but it was related to David. So I think that when I was thinking about David and reading about David, I think David was someone who was overlooked as a young person, specifically even by his father. And I I thought that maybe that might have brought his relationship even that much closer to his heavenly father because he was overlooked by his earthly father. And what I had about his earthly father overlooking him was in 1 Samuel 16, I think it was, Samuel comes to Jesse. Jesse, exactly. Um, Because the Lord is going to appoint one of Jesse's sons. So they bring all the sons in front of him. And Samuel's like, he looks at one. He's like, surely this is the next king. And, And then the Lord's like, no, don't look on the outward appearance, right? I look on the inward appearance. I look at someone's heart. So they bring seven sons before before Samuel. And God says no to everyone. So Samuel's like, is there anyone else? And Jesse's like, well, yeah, I mean, there's David, but he's out tending sheep, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, completely overlooked, obviously not looked at as king material by his family. Yeah. But yet he comes before Samuel and immediately the Lord is like, this is the one. And he anointed him. And it says, one of the translations says, the Lord's spirit rushed after David from that moment on. Hmm. And I love that because it wasn't just in that moment. It was from that moment on. And that's just like, wow. If we're anointed and blessed by God, his spirit is rushing after us. And it kind of ties into what we talked about in the sermon, pursuing us, right, from that moment on. Right? You can't escape it. Speaking of pursuing in the uh, sermon. Jeremy, did, were you alive even when O.J. Simpson had his uh, slow speed pursuit? No, so we looked it up and it was a month or two before I was born that it happened. 
But the way I learned about the O.J. Simpson pursuit was from Shrek. Because they do a reference in the runaway at the end where he's getting away on the white Bronco. And my mom started laughing really hard when we saw it in theaters. And I was like, it's not that funny. He's just, you know, running away on a horse. And so then she told me later about the story of his uh, pursuit. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Awesome. And I mean, I I wasn't that old. I remember being like a 10-year-old kid watching this on TV because... It was all over every channel. Like, every channel had their, you know, news helicopter following this slow-speed chase that was taking place through Los Angeles. Um, and, you know, 10-year-old kid, I had no idea what was going on. I just saw a lot of police cars. I was like, whoa, what? This is pretty cool. <laughs> well, I, yeah, you put put me to shame now because I, <laughs> I specifically remember I fully understood it. That's how old I am. Um, but, yeah, I was, in a, I was at a restaurant and... River, Riverton, I think, not that far from here, whatever, yeah. uh, with friends and up on the TVs there. We just followed it the whole way. It was just, it was mesmerizing, right? It was yeah. just like, what is happening? And it's O.J. Simpson, right? Like, <laughs> and, you know, it's crazy. I only knew O.J. Simpson because of the murder. I didn't know him from his You didn't realize right, he right, was right. a football star, right? Yeah. Yeah, yep, exactly. Like, it's so crazy how time changes things like that for us but and i don't even know why that reference came but like immediately when i saw pursue i don't know why it just came into my head okay i'll use that as a as an illustration why not yeah i mean i'm not gonna lie when you started talking about pursuing i was like oh watch he's gonna talk about guys and girls (laughs) (laughs) i thought we were gonna get maybe a, a story about um you know will walker wooing christine but that story would take way too long. <laughs> we'll save that I one for another one. I won't go into it here, but we can save it for another one. Um, yeah, no, that I will say that, you know, I, uh, I dated my wife three separate times before we, God pre- had prepared us enough to, to, to marry, right? Good times, bad times. We had had everything yeah. beforehand. So it's a long story. It's a good story. Yeah. We'll save it for another time. Yeah, so, sure. Next time Will preaches, it will be on scriptures and the songs of Solomon. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I want to go there. <laughs> I'll leave that for you guys. But but in the scripture you focused on, you really honed in on the first verse of Psalm 23. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Um, and when we talk about shepherds, Historically and nowadays, uh, they are a guide for the sheep, they guard the sheep, they provide for the sheep. Do you have any examples of when God either guided you towards something or away from something, uh, that he protected you or that he was providing for you? Yes, um, probably the most recent. Um, and it's, it, it involves a, a valley too, right? Because sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, we need that guidance the most when we're in the valley. Um, and I believe this is a time, uh, you remember in the sermon, we talked about sometimes God leads us into the valley, not just through and out of it, right? Yeah. So I believe he led me into a valley. Um, and that was, uh, you know, shortly after COVID had kind of come into play and changed the world, um, I lost my job. Mm-hmm. I've been there 15 years and mm-hmm. I had kind of uh, you know, was expected to just work the rest of my days there. And <clears throat> all of a sudden, just life was upended. And I didn't know why. It was devastating. Um, 
he immediately provided because my wife was working full time. We could transfer our, our benefits to her. Mm-hmm. Um, he immediately provided because I had 15 week severance because I had worked there 15 week, 15 years. But I still didn't know why. It was this like, why? Like, what is, what do you have for me? Here I am like 50 years old. Like, it's really hard when you get to a certain point to find a new job. There's always yeah. younger people out there. You, you know, I mean, all yeah. those things go through Tough. your head, right? I don't feel old, but <laughs> but the world sees you as who you are, right? And I was 50 years old or close to it at least. And I just didn't know why. Um, so as I was crying out to God, as I was looking for a new job, he started to reveal to me why. Um, and that why directly involved this church. This church was not in a place where they were ready to do anything more than just run sound on a Sunday morning technologically. And yet here we were, no one could meet. Our church couldn't live stream. Our church couldn't video record. Our church couldn't do anything like that. Mm. So as part of the staff, you know, we had staff meetings about what we can do to help keep the church together. And I just started doing things technologically because I have some gifts in that um, which you know led to me just focusing a lot of my energies on the church that I wouldn't have normally been able to do had I had my job Hmm. so I believe God led me away from my job because he had another purpose for me that I didn't understand at first and I started to understand once I was into it and once I was into it it's still scary because I still didn't have a job I knew why I was there I knew why I lost my job Mm-hmm. But I didn't know my way out of the valley, right? Yeah. Um, but I figured, if God, if you made it very clear to me why I'm in this valley, I need to trust you to get me out of this valley. And sure enough, gosh, it, it, it was only a month, maybe a month and a half after my severance ran out that I found a new job. Hmm. And not only that, but the new job allowed me to work from home which was a huge benefit because I have a middle schooler, my youngest, who's, who had to go to school from home. Mm-hmm. So leaving him alone wasn't ideal. And, yeah. and my wife, Christine, was going to possibly go on leave from her job, unpaid leave, to be able to you know take care of things at home if I had a different job. But that didn't have to happen. She could keep her full-time job. I had a full-time job. I was home to care for my son, to make sure that, that you know, he's focused in doing what he needs to do. Um, and just in other ways that I can't even share right now, like the job is just, it's a, such a better situation than I was mm. in before. He really yeah. brought me through to a green pasture type situation. Yeah. There's the long and short of it. Um, but it's, it's scary along the way, right? It's scary when you don't know why something happens. Then you know why it happened, but you still don't know how you're way out of that valley. And you just have to trust them. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great story of, of God's faithful leading, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I can remember, I mean, this is even just, you know, going back to the last year or so before I came to FUMC. And uh, we we had a sense that God was leading us um, to a new position, a new ministry. We weren't quite sure what it was. You know, I was serving as the associate pastor down at Trinity in Mullica Hill, and uh, we we just knew that it was God's time, and uh, it was time for us to 
to move on to something else. And we were really wrestling with that. And we asked some people to pray with us for, you know, the whole season of Lent about what was next. And we got to Easter Sunday and still didn't really know. We didn't have a clear sense. And it wasn't until that next Saturday that we got a call from the district superintendent. And he said, hey, there's a church available. And we wondered if you might be interested that church happened to be in a different conference in a different state and uh, the opportunity was there but we weren't quite feeling it and so we uh, had some more conversation with with the district superintendent and he talked to the cabinet and that kind of stuff and uh, by the end of that next week um, that next Sunday eight days later it was being announced in both churches that we were coming to <laughs> FUMC in Collingswood. And uh, that wasn't on our radar, even, you know, as as recently that year as, as Easter, you know, just two weeks before. Um, but God knew, and, and we could sense his guiding uh, along that journey. So Yeah. What about you, Jeremy? Do you have... Uh, a story that you can think of in your life where you've sensed that kind of leading and guiding from God? Yeah, so in my ministry at Trinity, uh, I felt like we needed something for college kids. And I figured a uh, passion conference, as I've discussed before, um, which is giant conference for college kids, 18 to 25 in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, every year around New Year's Eve time is a great opportunity because it's only a few days during winter break when all the college kids are home. And so selfishly, I wanted to go and Rebecca wanted to go because we had aged out of that. <laughs> uh, so we couldn't just go on our own. So we're like, oh, well, just, you know, we need to get the college kids together and uh, we want to go so we should get a group. And we only had one kid sign up. Uh, that was like six months before it happened. Two months before, we're about to close up shop and say, you know, this, this isn't working out. We're not getting a group. But then God really put it on my heart that, no, you need to give it another try. And I'm going to do something really big at this conference for one of those that attend. And so I was like, okay, I need to put more effort into this. And we ended up getting nine college kids to go and sign up in those last couple of months. Um, and it was beautiful as we were there to have moments where we see God move and Rebecca and I we talk later and be like that's why God wanted us to come and then the next day something else would happen and go oh that's why God wanted us to come and then something else and so it was just God providing over and over and over again and then one of our uh, college kids accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior on that trip we're like oh that's the big one <laughs> there's a lot of beautiful moments of God working throughout that whole trip and then to have that uh, kind of top it off. And it was like, okay, uh, once you take us out of the equation, we just follow God's lead. Um, and he also not only provided those moments of reassurance at the trip, but uh, we also told the college kids, you know, if you are having money issues, we can pay for your ticket and then you just pay us by the time we have the trip. So we'll basically loan out. And I was new to dealing with church finances at that time. I didn't want to bother the church with any of that, but I lent out my personal money uh, to them to make that happen. And I just, you know, 
I lack nothing. God will provide the what I need to survive. And this is before Rebecca and I even married. And I don't even think I told her at first because she would have worried about the finances that she was coming into because our <laughs> wedding was that November. But um, I put out this money and then I'd get to like time for bills and realize, oh, I'm I'm short and I'm not getting any more income. And, and without reaching out to any, I never reached out to the kids for money. Uh, I would just randomly get a Venmo and it would come within like $10 of what I needed to pay off my bills every time. So God was just constantly showing that like, I'll provide what you need. You've been faithful. I'll provide what you need. And I kept that to myself um, that the entire time until we had arrived back to the church at like 3 a.m. And the kids were sharing testimonies of, of how God had worked. I was like, I was going to keep this to myself, but it, it's a testimony to God's goodness, not of anything I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sharing that with them and adding that layer of God working behind the scenes months in advance to make all of those things happen. And it was just a blessing to to witness and be a part of all of that. Testament to God's timing there too, right? Yes, and I think sir. the theme that I'm hearing through these different stories is God is that good shepherd, right? He he has this good path. We've still got to walk it, though, don't we? Mm-hmm. We still have to be mm-hmm. faithful to follow. And and if, you know, if Will had gone right out looking for another job, you know, that precluded him from doing what he did for the church during the pandemic, or if, if you had just said, uh, it seems like it's not working. Guess we're going to scrap it. If if I had tried to make something happen on my own, um, you know, according to my own agenda, my own strategy, you know, I might have missed all, all the blessings that we've been able to see since we've come here to FUMC and, and the way we've been blessed because we were open to what God wanted to do and we were willing to follow him even though we didn't know what it was going to look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in every instance, when we get to the other side, here we are in a better place. <clears throat> Whether we feel like it's better, it's better because it's where God led us, yeah. right? It's Amen. the right path for his namesake. Uh-huh. Which often, you know, he does. He, he, he loves us, right? He wants us to enjoy being in those moments, those places. Mm-hmm. Um, but in every instance, it's, it's God has led us to a better place. And yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the path because I don't know if this was supposed to be my main takeaway from your sermon, but sheep are dumb <laughs> or sheep are stupid. I forget how you phrased it. I said it. dumb. I sheep, said dumb. Sheep are dumb. And, um, <laughs> one of the examples you gave to, uh, to illustrate, mm-hmm. illustrate. <clears throat> yep. to illustrate how dumb sheep are. You talked about how if they go astray that they can just walk in circles without eating. And if no one is able to come get them, that they end up just walking until they die. And so it made me reflect on when we stray from God and the path he has laid out for us and we search for fulfillment in the world, we can go in circles, going nowhere and gaining nothing. Uh, what have you reached out for in the world that didn't fulfill? I can I can answer that generally speaking. Um, as you know, that picture of the sheep circling, as I was researching and, and preparing the sermon, that picture reminded me of 
the cycles that we get ourselves into, right? Mm. The cycle of we do something that's not really what God wants us to do. We know it's not what God wants us to do, so we feel guilty about it. And then that guilt leads to shame, mm -hmm. which then leads us to continue doing that. Right. And what do we have? We have a circle. We're just going, spiraling in that circle over and over and over again. And I wonder if the sheep, when they're circling, think to themselves, I wish I could get out of this, but I don't know how. Hmm. Because that's how we feel often when we get ourselves in that cycle. And I think that while God is chasing after us, if we choose to put our blinders up and ignore God, we have that choice. He's mm -hmm. given us that free will to do that. So he can still be chasing after us, but he provides so many means of rescue, right? Um, and it's, it's, it's funny. I was talking to, to my wife about this too, and she actually was, well, as we were talking about this, I guess, you know, I was thinking about what are the things that he does provide for us to try mm. to break us out of this cycle. And I think one of the biggest things is other people. Yeah. Right? Like when we see someone in that cycle, like someone we care about, we want to get in. We want to help them break free of that. Mm. Sometimes we can. Sometimes we can't. Sometimes that person will sadly waste away in that cycle right but we we need to break free from it mm -hmm. um so I, I don't know if that's an answer to your question but it's certainly something that i felt before i've been in that cycle hard to get out of you know and i've had people who cared about me enough to help me out of it and to you know to to say hey this is what needs to happen right we need to do this we need to do this together yeah. right yeah, no, it just makes me think of how the enemy is able to use shame to withhold us from growing in our relationship with God and how uh, growing up in the Protestant church, the sentiment for me was always felt that we kind of like look down upon Catholics for having that time of confession with the pastor because we have a direct line to God. Why are we going to waste time going to a middleman when we can, you know, confess our sins to God? But we're also called uh, in the New Testament to confess our sins to one another mm -hmm. and to have that accountability here to help us grow. Because if we're able to just hide up all of our sins and put on this front of we're faithful and we're good all the time and I don't struggle with sins. I'm just at church to help other people that are struggling <laughs> with sins right. uh, instead of having, you know, those good, healthy, even accountability partners, sometimes as one-on-one -on -one people. Um, and it can be scary to be open and vulnerable. And we've seen times in church history where people have been taken advantage of for being vulnerable and open to one sure. another. And so it's scary. Um, but I think in a healthy discipleship community that uh, it's important to have that uh, ability to communicate and be open about that um, so that we can all work together to walk on the path of righteousness. Yeah, and I think that's why I would love to see our church move to a place where more and more people are getting plugged into these small discipleship band kind of meetings where where you're meeting with, you know, two or three, maybe four other people on a regular, you know, weekly basis to to talk about those things, to to share 
you know, where you see God working, but also to share those areas where you need God to continue working. Mm -hmm. Because because I think you nailed it. And I didn't quite get there in your sermon and my thinking yesterday, Will, when you were talking about the sheep in the circle. But you're exactly right. It's a cycle. It's a yeah. cycle. And so often we get trapped in those cycles. And, and that's how we end up in addictions, right? Whether that's, you know, alcoholism or drugs or pornography or sex or whatever um we we get into something because there's some ache inside of us that leads us to walk away from the flock leads us to walk away a a little bit from the shepherd and, and we get stuck in this cycle and then once we we get into there you know there's then that shame that comes and that shame drives us to that ache and that ache then drives us back to whatever it was we were looking to to fill that, that worldly void. comfort right? yeah, yeah that worldly <laughs> comfort and and we need people to love us back from those places i've needed those people in my life to love me back from the places where i've gotten so spun up in myself walking around in circles mm-hmm. that i can't even see the shepherd's just standing right over there yeah yeah, he, 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 he's not even really hidden. Yeah. I just can't get out of my own circle, my own cycle, enough to see it. And so when another sheep comes over and, and, and we can say, oh, right, wait, I'm not just alone here in this circle. There, the, yeah. the, the flock still does exist. Then those people, they can love us back into... A right relationship with God, even, right. you know, and, and they can lead us back to that place where, where we can confess those things, we can acknowledge those things, we can repent of those things and start following again. And how much more powerful is it, though, if you can imagine the sheep, like I like that illustration, the sheep walks over to the one going around in circles, right? And he's like, hey, I've been where you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trust me. Yeah. It's okay. Let's go back over to the shepherd. Yeah. Let's, I'll walk with you, right? But how important is it for those of us who have, who have been in those cycles for whatever reason, right? Mm-hmm. There's a numerous reasons. We need to find other people who are in that too. Yeah. Because one, the one thing I've learned is that because I've been in that situation, whatever that may be, I have way more grace Mm. for other people in that. Whereas some other people may judge, right? Mm -hmm. Right, wrong, whatever. But that's not what you need right now. You need grace. And empathy, right? And empathy. I I feel what you're feeling because I've felt it before. Exactly, exactly. So if we as sheep can go to other sheep and say, hey, I've been there. I've Mm. been there. Let's, let's, Let's stop going in circles. Let's talk about this and let's let's make our way back to the shepherd and let's see where he wants to lead us. Yeah. I think that's so important and we may take for granted the phrase that you just said of the sheep coming and leading us back to the shepherd for the shepherd to lead us because everywhere you go you're going to have people coming to you and saying I see your issue let me tell you where you should go but it's just a sheep 
leading another sheep to another circle <laughs> if we're not leading them back to Christ exactly. and to the Father, you know, the, yep. the shepherd to lead us, then we're just sheep leading sheep. Um, and so it's coming back to uh, the one that we should be following versus just sheep off attempting to go in a different circle. <laughs> And I love, you know, we're talking about is essentially just loving one another uh, because when we see in New Testament what we're called to do as the body, uh, love one another, love each other, is the most common phrase in the one another mm-hmm. uh, verses that we see in those writings. And so it's, it's at the core of what the body mm-hmm. um, should be. And even the the verse that says, we love because he first loved us. I think so many times we think we love God because he first loved us. And we put that word in there. But the love he gives us isn't just a love so that he can get it back. It's so that it can go through us into all those other people. And how often do we feel like, well, that person doesn't deserve love. Look where they are. Guess what? I certainly didn't deserve the love that God gives me. Amen. So we love them because he loved us. And that's our commandment. Super quick side tangent, because I know you're at the end of your car ride and you're wanting us to wrap up, (laughs) is that we just talked with the kids uh, Sunday school about prodigal son and how we always usually put ourselves in the prodigal son position. (laughs) But how many times are we really the brother? And we're going, wait, God, I've been here. I've been faithful. I've been righteous my whole life. Where's my party? And yet this person that I know all the wrongs they've done, you know, they're coming in and we're celebrating them coming home. I haven't left the church building. I've been at every event three, four days of the week. I am at FUMC Collingswood. This person has, you know, had all these issues and they just showed up last month for the first time. And yet we're celebrating them. But it's, you know, like you're saying, we love because he loved us first and we are no more deserving of his grace and love than the next one. But and as the as the brother, we're already in the presence of the father. Amen. We already have all of the father's blessings. We lack nothing. Yeah, he's killing the fatty calf for that, but like you lack nothing. You have everything you need. Everything is taken care of for you because you're under the father's blessing already. So why can't you see that? Is mm. and and I, I mm-hmm. look I why can't I see that? Amen. Right? Yeah. I mean, because I don't. We get jealous and we get miffed and we're like, "Why? What's up with that, God? Come on!" God's like, "I'm your shepherd. You lack nothing. Think about it. You lack nothing." And I think that's the perfect note to end on as you close your sermon uh, for all of us to remind ourselves each morning this week of Psalm twenty-three, one: "The Lord is my shepherd; I lack nothing." Amen.